up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Chris, do you have Super Bowl plans? Oh, yeah, to watch it, probably. Yeah, like with a bunch of people or yeah. just by yourself? Whoa. Just oh. you and the kiddos or what? Pro- probably just me. No, I don't know. I think actually we might have a couple of people over. I think I'll enjoy the Super Bowl. We're in the middle of a move right now, so I feel like I'll just have a thousand other things on my mind. Wait, 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 hold on. Um, sorry. So, Phil, what about you guys? What do okay, you mean? now you can continue. I felt bad for not asking. You just kind of went in. Oh, sure. I just assumed that you wanted to know. And maybe you well, did. I did. I know I did. I did. Okay. Obviously, I did because I stopped you to ask. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't like a sympathy interrupter. And no, no. Well, Chris, let me tell you what I'm doing for this. Generally Super Bowl. curious. Not much. <laughs> Not much at all. Thanks for asking. Because you're moving. Well, yeah. Wait, are you guys moving on Sunday? No. So uh, let's see. I think the Super Bowl is on the 13th. We're moving on the 15th. So okay. Two days later. Okay. Yeah. All right then. It's going to be an interesting week, but we're very excited. I guess to fill in for anybody who's like Chris and wants to know, we've sold our house and we're building another one, which won't be ready until at the earliest the end of May. So we're moving into a short-term apartment for four months and I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's like super like resorty style apartment with, you know, super fun amenities. Uh, There's like a little playground like right outside our balcony. Kids are going to love it. And it's a little two bedroom two-bedroom apartment. I've got three kids, one of whom is a baby, and that will be interesting. It sounds interesting, Phil. Yeah. Man, props to people who live in, in small places. Do you pay attention to any of Jim Gaffigan's stuff? Uh, no, I can't say that I do. I'm sorry ahead of time, I guess. I don't know. I want to say that bother he you? lives in like a... He talks about this in his bit quite a, quite often. <laughs> talks about this in his bit quite a bit. He lives in like a two-bedroom New York City apartment, and I think he has four kids. Or he might have five, actually. And that apartment probably costs like seven grand a month. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know how he does it. That's just quite quite remarkable. He he talks about how like when he had his fifth kid. I don't know. It's fourth or fifth. It's it was a lot. We'll say five. When he had his fifth kid, you know, people would always ask like what. What's it like to have five kids? And he says, oh, well, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. Is that what it's like to have three kids, Phil? <laughs> Is that what you're getting at? Sure, I guess. I, I thought I thought you'd appreciate that. I was like, are you going to try and drown yourself? A rifle smile. I'm smiling on the inside. Uh, are you going to try and drown yourself in the wonderful resort-like pool in the short-term apartments you're about to move sure. into? Sure, yeah. It, it is like the... Like the tapered walk-in style pool. That, that's a very that's a very cinematic way to to go. So we'll miss you, <laughs> man. Dark episode, super dark episode. Which is which is ironic because my topic tonight, Chris, is actually quite uplifting. Uh, buttercream frosting. Oh, I should go that route. Ooh. Okay. I don't know. It just felt the opposite of darkness for some reason. So, are you a buttercream guy? Like when it comes to cake? I'm gonna be honest. I do. I do like it. Uh, I don't like it overly sweet, Do but you eat it uh, as you're I, making I it. Much. I could buy the spoonful very easily. 
See, for me, if I'm making a buttercream frosting and there are a bag of pretzels in the pantry. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Dinner doesn't stand a chance because I'm just going to eat all of that. That's fine. That is fine by me. Okay, so do you make a double batch of frosting and save a bunch in a container just to take a spoon to later? Because that's that's the real uh, pro move there, Phil. That that's what I would do if I was good at planning things. Which you is why to we need the girls. That's true, but that's why we need this episode, Chris. Because I wanted to talk to you about meal planning tonight, or really, I wanted us to talk about meal planning because I'm curious to know how you go about it. And then I thought I'd share a little bit about how Ashley and I go about it, and then hopefully we can have just like a little bit of dialogue. You know? Sure, that's very hopeful of you. We'll see how that goes. Like, what is what is meal planning for you? Is it a bunch of DoorDash? There's nothing wrong with that, but mm, this is about us cooking. So yeah, so I think we used to be better. Molly used to be very, very like into meal planning. She'd work things out like a week ahead of time and plan all of her shopping around it. And then we had kids and that's, I don't know. Yeah. We just kind of wing it, Phil, these days. Do you really? So, okay. So, uh, Molly was a bakery and they, they have... They do like pizzas on Thursdays and Fridays. So Molly's able to take one of those home. So that actually ends up being one of our meals. So that's kind of, that's a plan, right? Yeah. That's, that's one meal out of seven. And then, and then we'll order out at least one, probably like one meal a week. So that's, that's two of seven there. That's two. And the rest is just kind of winging it based on what's on sale. See, good for you guys doing it based on what's on sale. We're, we're actually relatively similar in that we'll do pizza one night. That's typically Fridays for us. It's like a family night. And then we'll do takeout one night as well. Uh, but for us, that's kind of in lieu of a date night. So we've got young kids. We all have young kids getting out kind of difficult. Plus like there's this whole thing called COVID-19 for whatever it's worth. And so like getting out, finding a sitter for- It's harder. Just, it's hard, you know? <laughs> so we'll do like an in-home- date night. We'll feed the kids something simple, usually like mac and cheese or peanut butter and jelly. No shame. Not going to apologize for that. And then Ashley and I will lock like them in the room. It. Yeah. hundred percent. So there you go. Okay. We're so the same. Yeah. 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 So going back to the what's on sale thing is, okay, sure. You save money, but also I kind of really like it because it's easy for us to get into a rut. It's easy for me to get into a rut with just about anything. And so it does like inspire some creativity because you kind of have these ingredients picked for you. So this week Whole Foods had uh, like stew meat, like uh, beef on sale. So last night we, for the first time, I, I know this is going to be a surprise fill. I know. But for the first time in, I don't know, like several years, probably we made a bourguignon. Oh, good for you, Chris. And it was fantastic. And by we, I mean Molly. But did it turn out pretty good? I ate it. It was really, really good. Yeah, it was like it was uh, the, the type that was just perfectly balanced. It wasn't overly rich. Incredibly tender. It was. It was just right. Paired that with a little bit of uh, polenta, and we actually had uh, a, a couple of Molly's work friends over last night, and it was fantastic. Well, that's really impressive on multiple fronts, but the fact that you actually had people over to enjoy the bourguignon in and of itself is like a pretty big deal because like for us, if we're going to have company of any sort, we're usually reverting to like some pretty easy meals. And I would not say bourguignon is easy. It's a simple meal in that it doesn't take a whole lot of ingredients, but it's very lengthy. Yeah, you just got to start it early. It's not like you're constantly doing something with it, though. You put it in the oven for a long time. For anybody that's unfamiliar, walk us through. What is bourguignon? Where does it come from? 
Why is it so delicious? So it's this really fantastic Chinese dish. and <laughs> Served over okay. noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm That's what the polenta was. There, polenta is a type yep. of noodle. Case you didn't Not to be confused with placenta. So <laughs> the the bourguignon, uh, we, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, if you've seen the movie, is it is it Julie and Julia or Julia and Julia? I don't remember. I'm fairly certain it's Julie and Julia, but I'll put it yeah. in the show notes either way. Okay. I just couldn't remember. So uh, a beef bourguignon is highly featured in that. And that is largely due to Julia Child's love of French cooking. And it's a French dish, Phil. So a, a beef bourguignon is a French dish. It is it is beef that has been braised in wine, more or less. So uh, a red wine, a pretty nice and bold red wine, is definitely a forefront in this dish. But also the braising. So you know, uh, if you're if you're gonna braise something, the super quick of it is you brown it. So almost like sauteing it in a way. Um, you, you kind of brown the meat, but don't cook it all the way through. So you could, you just get, we've talked about this in a few episodes recently, that Maillard reaction going on, on all of the edges of your meat. And yeah, you're basically you, searing it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. Kind of like pretty much. Kind of exactly. Kind of maybe just a little bit. And then you put a lot of liquid in it and then cook it in the oven. So you put a lid on it and there's probably a word for this that I'm missing for the process. I I mean, I think you hit it already. Cook like it. You're, you you're just braising cook it. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking like the, 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 if we're breaking down the individual steps of the braising process, like you sear and then you, you're not boiling it per se, but you slow cook it in the oven with a, a decent amount of liquid and you end and up with something that's- the wine. That you talked about. Yeah. So in, in a bourguignon, it, it is wine and you end up with something that's incredibly tender due to that, that kind of long, it's almost like a low and slow style cook in an oven. And then you also, because some of that liquid is reducing down, you end up with a really fantastically rich sauce as well. So it's kind of, it's almost like, it's even like a little thicker than stewy, I would say. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of my favorite dishes. And there's a reason that we talk about it all the time is because it's really, really good. It's not overly complicated. It does take a little bit of time, but it just fantastic. 100% agree. It's something that we talk about often because we also make it often. <laughs> it, it truly is the most amazing dish. In fact, when Ashley and I were in Paris in 2019, you know, we, we like Googled the best places to get a beef bourguignon. And there's, as you can imagine, a lot of information on that. And Ashley found just like some blog that said they loved this little hole in the wall place. So we went there and that to this day is the best meal I've ever had. As Chris mentioned, it does take quite a bit of time. And it's something that I feel like everyone should try. Everyone should try once. And I feel like it should be maybe part of a routine in some sort of meal planning. So great segue, Chris. I thought maybe I'd just like give a Quick little You're rundown welcome. of what I, I was setting you up for that on purpose. Yeah, I could tell. You're foreshadowing your little crystal ball. Chris. Crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the the meal plan. It's it's hard to do when you got kids. It, you know what? Forget that. We had a hard time doing it before we had kids. When we were dinks, double income, no kids. We had a hard time coming up with a good solid meal plan. But we've been going at this for a little while. I thought I'd share kind of our routine with it, and hopefully we can all take something away from that. If anything, 
we've learned about beef bourguignon and that's a win in my book. So Chris, hi, Hey, what we do is typically Sunday night. I go grocery shopping. The reason I go grocery shopping on a Sunday night is because Ashley homeschools our kids and she likes to do some planning for the week. For the, for, the, for the homeschool week. Makes sense. On a Sunday night. So I'll usually ditch the house after the kids are in bed and go grocery shopping. Obviously, at this point, we've already made our list. But really what we're going for is one international food, one breakfast for dinner food, because it totally engages the kids and everybody loves waffles. And so when I say breakfast or dinner, it's usually just waffles. <laughs> we'll usually go like a vegetarian because I think those are fun. Uh, and then we'll do as like a fourth option, we'll do kind of like a fun meal. It could be grilling if it's warm. It could also be like a challenging meal. And I feel like this is where the, the, the bourguignon comes into play. And then, you know, we'll do pizza one night. Uh, we'll do our date night, like I mentioned. And then usually like that gets us to Sunday night and we're either like have some wiggle room to like maybe have leftovers or we'll just do something super simple like grilled cheese and tomato soup. Cause again, we got kids and you know, they're not French kids. French kids eat everything. Our kids just yeah. like tomato soup. Okay, question. So if the bourguignon is your fun slash challenging dish, does it also take up the the foreign dish category as well? No, good question. Because I think I think we've adopted the bourguignon here in America. We've made it our own. I don't I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. Okay, well what about like a like like braised short ribs? That's basically the same thing. And you can find that in a lot of menus here. See, okay, so I think I think wine is a super duper key component here, and there is nothing like the smell of cooking with wine. No, it's quite literally the best thing on the planet. It is. Oh, oh, oh. Also, you know, uh, last week we talked about uh, cooking with with alcohol. So obviously, there's a tie in here. But the rest of that that uh, sweet vermouth that I had. We did like a 50-50 split between that and some like French red table wine. Did and you? it was amazing. In the it Bourguignon. It was so good. Yes. Yeah. Huh. It was so good, Phil. So like a vermouth reduced Bourguignon. Wow. Huh. That's pretty cool. Man, you guys are resourceful. Never leave anything to waste. I should learn a thing or two from you, Chris. So should my wife. No, I think like the interna- <laughs> the international meals are mostly like like an Asian dish. You know, we we, we love a good stir fry or maybe it's like some sort of noodle or, you know, Mexican, but like maybe, maybe a little more fun than just tacos. Nothing wrong with tacos at all, but they're not going to be like the Americana tacos that I grew up with. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just try to do something fun with it. Something, something that feels international and like an Americana so taco is not so international. So it's not like, uh, you know, those store-bought crispy taco shells with some shredded lettuce, some cut up tomatoes and some ground beef that's been cooked with taco air quotes seasoning. Yeah, like a packet, a pouch. Oh, also, of dry also some some shredded cheddar. Probably. Cheddar. Yep. Uh, oh, and the lettuce is maybe, iceberg maybe, every time. Maybe a little bit of salsa, <laughs> like a paste. Oh yeah. Yep. Sour cream. Yeah, that's my childhood. That's my Tuesday night. Heck yeah, up. that takes me back to the nineties. We had this like Tupperware type thing with little compartments in it, and it was a spinner, almost like a lazy Susan. But it just like sat in the middle okay. of the table with all the yeah. taco toppings in it. I'm pretty sure that's probably still a Lazy Susan. Is it? Lazy Susans aren't just know. for the cabinets? I don't know. Oh, sorry. My phone is yelling at me. The battery's yelling. dying. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Maybe it is. I don't think so. Maybe Whatever it is, Susan it's convenient. Out, sure. That's true. It's very convenient. And it's etched in my memory forever. Friggin' iceberg lettuce. 
but here's the thing, Chris, even like coming up with those, whatever they are, you can, you can make it your own. If you want to have an international grade, if you want to do a vegetarian meal, there's like, there's a million vegetarian meals out there. Right. So like coming up with those can be a little bit difficult sometimes. So I don't think it's like having those as categories that helps us. What helps us is like, you know, we've come up with a dozen or so what we call crowd pleaser meals. So like if we're going to have somebody over, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's a parent, if it's one of our kids' friends, or if it's just like a neighbor or, you know, somebody we don't like, whomever it is, Chris, will want to do a crowd pleaser meal, right? And crowd, crowd pleaser meals are things that are easy. They're things that most people enjoy and they're things that don't really take a whole lot of, of effort or foresight. We've made them so many times and enough times that we can often do them from memory. And they're often made from things that are almost like staples that we'll just have in our house anyways. And so if we're feeling like totally at a loss and we've lost all sense of inspiration and or motivation and we just don't feel like doing anything, we could in theory, Chris, we could, and not just in theory, but in practice, because we've done this a million times, we could just pick five things from our crowd pleaser meals and have those for dinner that week. And yeah. we're going to do just fine. Yeah. So Phil, so, so my encouragement, Chris, is have some crowd yep. pleaser meals on reserve. Yeah. Like get a oh, little like Rolodex of them or something and just, you know, print out those recipes and just keep them in your cabinet, keep them in the pantry. And yeah, you're going to do yeah. mildly okay with that. I think. I, I think that's an absolutely fantastic idea. And so I, I guess I just think back to say when I was living my life before Molly and, you know, kind of in, in my bachelor life, there were plenty of times where I, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike cooking. In fact, I, I kind of liked the idea of it, but I didn't necessarily know where to start. And part of that was picking a meal, honestly. And so I think the idea of meal planning may be a little daunting at first, just because it's like, where the heck do I start? And not to get too overly serious, but as you're talking, it just kind of reminded me of this. I've probably told you before this kind of idea, you know, I, I, I work in creative fields and there's you make this movies. idea that I really like that creativity flourishes within boundaries. And the, the little metaphor that I've probably used way too often is, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, you have the whole entire Sahara, go make me a sandcastle. You might kind of feel like, where where do I start? What do I do? But if they give you like this little sandbox and maybe some pre-built forms and things like that that you can use to build your little castle ramparts and whatever and tell you to ask you to make them a, a, a sandcastle, it's a whole lot more manageable. It's a whole lot more easy to start to think through what you want to build and where you might start. And I kind of feel like for me, cooking was very much the same thing. And I know I'm taking up way too much of your time, Phil. No, but are I you think kidding me? This is brilliant. There really is something to that idea of trying to narrow it down. So I love your idea of coming up with categories and then trying to find like a, a dish that you're interested in and excited to make within those categories. Or honestly, like I said, that we wing it, but really kind of like the the constraints that, okay, this, this specific cut of meat is on sale this week. So I'm going to find a recipe that sounds interesting to me for that. And I think it works because it's, it's starting to narrow down the infinite choices that you have, especially with the internet, you know, cause like, you know, back in the day, like when our parents were, when they were cooking those meals for us, when we were younger, they didn't have the internet. They had like a little recipe box that they got from her, from their mom. 
my, my mom did. So she had those to pick through and then maybe like a couple cookbooks. And now you have every single recipe ever created in the history of man to pick from. So it's just a little daunting. So I, I, I don't know, Phil, like all of that to say, I appreciate where you're coming at from this, coming from with this because it helps. So I think I think a lot of it is just finding what those constraints are, whether that's, like you said, creating those categories. And then when you find something that you really like, you can put that, you can store that away in like your your favorites list. And you can always have that to pull from. Uh, or coming up with some other constraints, whether that's a specific type of vegetable that you want to use, a specific type of meat, something that's on sale. But I think it's really trying to narrow those those choices down. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. Wow, Chris. I didn't know you were a philosopher. Sorry. Did the I was inspired for a second there. Thanks, Phil. Did like the little I don't know what yours looked like or what your your mother's looked like, but like the I guess we'll call it a Rolodex or like three by five index cards in a little box full of recipes that were passed down from generation to generation. When when I received that, we actually got that as a wedding present. And it's fine. No family listens to this podcast anyways. I couldn't read a single one of them. <laughs> Because like my grandmother's cursive was beautiful, but it was like so foreign to me. I just, I I honestly couldn't read that. I don't know where that (laughs) box is anymore because we never used any recipes. We would like pull up a a card and be like, okay, so I I can tell this word says chicken, but I, I can't tell what it says to do to the chicken. Are we roasting it? Are we grilling it? All I see is some hieroglyphics. So then we just order pizza. I don't know. So maybe that's the answer, Chris. Just order pizza. What a blessing that your wife works at a bakery that has pizza two nights a week. Yeah. It's actually really good pizza too. So does she make the pizza? Uh, she does. She does. She, she makes the dough nights. for it or like actually tops it. Like what, what, how, tell me, I, let's, I want to know more about this. Make it up. Uh, yes. She does all of it, Phil. All of it for every single pizza. I used to she, work at a pizza place. She does that. In high school. No, I I want to say middle school. I think I was in the eighth grade. I fought my dad. I wanted to get a job. He said, you're too young. I said, no, I'm not. Then I got a job at a pizza place and I hated it. He said, I told you so. (laughs) And then we had tacos fried (laughs) with iceberg lettuce. 